Hello, everyone. Welcome to Popcast on the Rocks, where a podcast talks about pop culture things that interest us, and sometimes there is whiskey. This is episode 128, and we're welcoming back a guest, Tony. Tony, it's been a long time. How have you been? It has been a while. I've been good. I've been good. I was trying to remember the last time I was on the on the podcast, so it's, I'm happy to be back. Yep. It's was been a minute. Hmm? Oh, was it Moon Knight? Was it our discussion of Moon Knight? Moon Knight. Yep. I was on a couple of Moon Knights. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that seems like many guests. Like, yeah. Yeah, that seems like uh, just a minute ago, and also forever ago. Mm-hmm. Like that's you know, in the, Disney the... time, it's like fourteen <laughs> shows ago. So you know, it feels like it should be a long time, but really, it's like three months four months (laughs) right you know what ever i I think i have that like cultural phenomenon where like 2020 has basically just extended itself and like everything the past three years has just been one continuous year that i can't differentiate anymore Mm. yes yeah i remember when something happened and you're like okay i not only have to think about the month i really have to think about the year because i don't Mm. know yep yeah well, we'll catch up with you a little bit here in a moment. Um, and uh, we're going to talk later in the show, the spoiler in a spoilery fashion about Cyberpunk Edge Runners, the anime on Netflix. We consumed that quite a while ago and finally getting around to it. So uh, hopefully you've seen that. Before that, I just have a topic of discussion or like an idea I wanted to. I was just going to bring it up on the anime show and I thought, well, I just I'll see what you guys' opinion of it is. And um, otherwise, we'll start like normal with drink holidays. Andrea, yes. do you have lots of drink holidays? We do. I mean, it's been a it's been a little bit since uh, we've had the show. We were off for a little bit post Thanksgiving. Um, so of course, Thanksgiving was a holiday in there. I don't know if anybody does like special drinks really for Thanksgiving. My family is very much like during Christmas time. We all like there's one day when we get together and there's like special drink made for everybody to share, but we don't really do that at any other major holidays. Okay. Yeah. I grandma tried to make it a thing at Thanksgiving once. And like, we just sort of passed on that. Uh, How about you, Tony? Do you do family drink concoctions or, um, you know, not, not really. I I would say, see, this isn't because, because, Thanksgiving to me is kind of a not relaxing holiday. So like <laughs> I don't I don't really drink before dinner on Thanksgiving because I'm so afraid of screwing up the turkey. Hmm. So I'm okay. like so you're hardcore concentrating. You have like I big am. jobs. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, I make okay. green bean casserole, which, you know, is like less of a job. Sure. But it's love. It's, it's the green color, though. It's like the green yes. and the rest of just what is essentially brown and white. Brown, yes. Everything. Yes. I do bring Cranberries. The color. Yes. Cranberries. Okay. You know, stop, right? John. Stop. Come on now. <laughs> Sweet potatoes. Orange, you know? Uh, uh, that's an orange brown. It's no, like yellow on top and you like brown the marshmallows. Yeah. See, that's, that's, that's just, mm-hmm. you're just, it's just the color spectrum. The same color, yeah. just different, you know spectrums of it you're in the same place on the color wheel yeah yeah i like that it's there's cohesion you know like if you're (laughs) building a color palette you could build a beautiful one out of thanksgiving 
you, you know, could. it's that traditional like turkey fanned kind of, you know, feathers yeah. and some of that. It's well, the color yeah. palette of autumn in general is like my favorite yeah. color palette. Right. Which is basically just Thanksgiving dinner for trees. <laughs> That's a beautiful way to put it. Thank you. I think I think we'll all look at our Thanksgiving tables next year. <laughs> just think this is for trees. <laughs> oh look, it's the sure. uh, Mississippi Valley on my on my uh, table. <laughs> Spread before me, yes. <laughs> Spread before me. <laughs> uh, right. Well, uh, with that, I hope we we all had happy Thanksgiving days. Um, moving along into December, it is National Eggnog Month. Switching fittingly for you know the upcoming Christmas holidays. Um, I tried eggnog like for the first time a couple years ago. It's it's fine. Okay. It's okay. Plain or spiked? I don't know spiked? if I didn't spiked. Okay. I mean, I tried it both ways, like right. plain and spiked, and and mm -hmm. both ways was just kind of like, yeah, this is this is all right. Okay. You know, I I'm a big proponent of eggnog. Also, you have to watch the episode of the Fairly Odd Parents where Timmy Turner's dad's like obsessed with eggnog. And okay. he just like has this huge super soaker on his back and he just douses everybody with eggnog. It's great. Wow. <laughs> that does that sounds less good. Yeah. <laughs> like I have my nog. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like for for like the season, it can be very, you know, a big obsession of some people. And I don't know if maybe I just didn't have good nog or like, you know, I need to try somebody's like homemade secret recipe or whatever. But I don't know. I didn't yeah, I didn't I get the hype. It's all but... kind of similar. I no, mean, no, man. There's you know? there's some nog out there that you wow. like you sip that nog, you're like, this is gross. This is not good nog. But when when plain, nog plain. is good. But you mean like not not a spiked one, like not like someone messed it up with booze of some kind. Like oh, you, just you plain can, egg nog. You can and really it's... screw up you can really screw up nog if you spike it incorrectly. Right. Mm. Okay. All yeah. Right. I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll have to give it another try. Obviously not this year, but mm -hmm. uh, in, in a following year, perhaps sure. we'll try again. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of other holidays as we get into the first week of December. Uh, I find this one very fitting on December 2nd. It was national bartender day as a former bartender. What, what? Go me. <laughs> um, and it's a perfect day to celebrate it because as Chris reminded me, that was the day we got engaged 10 years ago. Um, okay. December 2nd. Nice. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I couldn't believe it's been 10 years. Like he was like, Oh, look at that. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> that's, that's a double like that's a double digit number like i don't know that i'm supposed to be measuring my life milestones like that like uh yeah it's it's um you reach a point where it takes you think the time where you weren't <clears throat> with your partner was like almost another life it was so long ago you know it becomes yeah. almost strange when you start saying like things that you did that your spouse wasn't there for, you know? Right. It's like, that was another life ago, you know? So right. it's really, uh, yeah. We're measuring in fractions. I've, uh, you've been in a third of my life. There are two thirds yeah. of my life that didn't involve you. <laughs> hmm. Right. Yeah. The fractions slowly 
And then it mm-hmm. slowly Shit. starts moving into the other direction where it's like, right. oh my god, it's like three quarters of my life I've been with this person. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, how is this possible? I was going to say something to you because I, I saw that, but then I'm like, I'll wait to the anniversary. I'm going to say, you know, like, congratulations on the engagement anniversary and on the <laughs> wedding anniversary. It's like, a, just wait. So, yes. Yeah. Well, it is here now. Um, yeah. And yeah. Chris uh, throwback posted our engagement video filmed by you. That's that's um, what I saw. Someone shared a Facebook thing that I looked at and I was like, oh, why is there a notification for me? And yeah. Yep. 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 An oldie, but a goodie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, moving, moving along from December 2nd, December 3rd, it was very specific. It was National Rhubarb Vodka Day, um, which I have had. My dad has made some of his own homemade rhubarb vodka. Okay. I'm not a rhubarb fan, so I was not his target market. Um, like rhubarb. But, I mean, yeah. Is there a target fine. market? I mean, other Minnesotans who enjoy Sweets? rhubarb, yes. You know? I don't know. Yeah. My uncle's a big rhubarb person, and he loved it. Like, I can't do anything rhubarb. Like, cake, crumble, like, nothing. I oh, no. Yeah. Why? It's like the right, you know, I, if you... If you make it where it's rhubarb, all rhubarb is too bitter, too sour, you know, then that's understandable. But it's the right balance when you put it in, like you say, a crumble or something, you have the sugar and fat and then the sour, like it's. I could maybe do a crumble. I've been, I feel like I've been done dirty a lot by like rhubarb cake being like very wrong consistency. Sure. I don't like I don't really love like surprises in my cake, like su- like fruit surprises, because I often find the texture very weird and like clashy with the cake texture. Hmm. So I don't I don't really enjoy that to begin with. And then when you either get it where it's like smush or it's like way too hard. And it, I like, think you've had bad rhubarb like, celery. I'm going to I, I mean, I, probably my grandma always used to make been, rhubarb sauce. And so you take that and you would put that on ice cream. So vanilla ice cream and you can, pour over sauce on that. there. And then it's really good because it, it you know, cools. And so you get that basically shell of fruit on, on your ice cream because it cools it and solidifies it and stuff. So I could maybe roll with that. I just like, like I said, I don't like the specific texture. And then mm. I don't, when it's done extremely wrong, I don't really like the bitter stringy taste. So Tony, what are you shaking your head back there for? I'm just listening to you guys talk. I'm like, nothing you are saying sounds appealing. Nothing. <laughs> Everything is just gross. The the plethora, the entire universe of sweets and pies and cakes, and you're trying to sit there and defend rhubarb. Yeah. I, no. You know, it, it's a it's a weed that somebody decided to try to melt and well, put on stuff and see what it tastes everything like. is weeds ba- i mean what is asparagus that stuff grows faster than any weed i've ever known yeah it and it makes you peace nobody money. puts it in a dessert True. well That's no <laughs> yes would you like some of my asparagus ice cream pie john the uh. next time you guys are over i'm making asparagus something and rhubarb <laughs> something and you're gonna like it oh. I'm going to destroy your bathroom is what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Not if I lock myself in there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Too true. Uh, Too true. 
Well, on to some better flavors of things, in my opinion. Uh, December 3rd is also Peppermint Latte Day, um, which, you know, I feel like has the potential to someday replace, like, a PSL in all of our hearts. Wow. It already there's has. Gotta be, wow. There's got to be, like, an equal wave for peppermint. Because I do not enjoy pumpkin spice, but I do enjoy peppermint. So I want everybody to like get to that level of obsessed so I can just be like, that's right. We've I, people's, well this I had one today. I kind of did too, actually. See? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Good. Good. See, but it's, it, that's that's moving from like Halloween, fall, Thanksgiving to Christmas. Peppermint belongs mm-hmm. with Christmas. It so does. they have their time. Timeline. I'm I'm not saying we need to move up a timeline. I just want us to like be as obsessed with like the time that peppermint latte is coming out as we are with like pumpkin spice everything. Okay. Here's a here's okay. a cool secret. You technically can order them off season. Yes, of course. They always peppermint have the syrup. Latte? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, you can see I I assault my senses with PSLs in like the october september october november time frame yes and then after thanksgiving it immediately switches to to peppermint mochas and it's just like blasting me with christmas Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. alan says black coffee for me which christmas in a cup man the statistics say that most you know you're more likely to be a serial killer Uh, if you drink just black coffee, <laughs> I understand though, because at a restaurant, very often, like if it's a restaurant, I just get black coffee. I don't put anything in it. Well, right. But yeah. when it's like holiday time and stuff, and I'm going to one of the overpriced coffee venues spread across the country, I'm usually getting some form of yeah, pumpkin spice or peppermint. I had a I had Special Starbucks tea. gingerbread one the other day, which. People were down on, I guess. It was like one of the lower rated holiday drinks for Starbucks. But I, I enjoyed it. It was like a gingerbread cookie, almond milk, iced coffee thing. And I thought it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I will unabashedly, if, that's, if I can use that, unabashedly order a s'mores frappuccino in the middle of summer. Good. And just okay. walk out of that store like I own the place. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever makes your day, you know, it's like, uh, <laughs> I feel like the point of like, me, guys. the coffee shop is like not to get black coffee because why would I want something I could brew myself? Thank you. I have an espresso me, at home. Your specialty, like crazy syruped up, you know, whatever flavor mm-hmm. combo you want me to try because I can't do that. I don't have like, well, I'm okay. to, you know, buy 12 sure. syrups and like. You can, but you'd rather not. Yes, it was. Right, exactly. I don't want like 12 bottles of coffee syrup sitting around, like, especially if I decide I don't like something. Well, do you remember when you used to go to like 7-Eleven or or something or Quick Trip when you were like 13 and you used to do suicides where you'd take the cup of pop and you'd just go to every single one and do that? If you went to like a coffee shop and asked for the same thing, (laughs) I wonder what that would taste like. (laughs) Yeah. We have to do that now. I would totally do that. It's not live that would streaming. Be hilarious. Yeah. Hilarious. All right. So oh, I'm gonna God. I'm gonna I'm gonna ruin your day, barista. I need a large <laughs> glass and I need a half pump of every syrup you've got. Pretty much. And whatever whatever room is left, you can put coffee in there. Yep. Just witness yep. me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Witness, yeah. Uh-huh. How has oh, somebody God. not done that already? And that's got to be maybe out they there have. somewhere. Yeah, maybe they have. That's got to be out there somewhere. Uh. Uh. See, Alan says sugar bombs. I do agree. But I, like the good millennial I am, I often customize. Very often I'll say, I want yeah. half the chocolate. I want half this, this syrup. I want whatever, you know. I very often do that. I have very simple orders. And I think it's because... As a self-respecting millennial, I don't like to mess with people who handle my food. Well, this isn't. I like this how you is have two ex- very different like ideas of millennial here. <laughs> <laughs> John's like maximum level. I will do like everything, and Tony's like no, 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 like minimum, bare minimum. Don't bare minimum. Yeah. Uh, when I'm please. first trying a drink, I will very often. I just get it as is. I want to try the way that you're doing it. But the sad thing is you do have varying, you know, it's supposed to be made the same way, but it is not always made the same way. So you can get no. extra sugary or you can get proper way or whatever, you know? So yeah, I, I come to adjust it now. And, uh, cause I don't, I'm usually not going for dessert. I'm always fascinated at all the people that are walking out of there with the, extra large frappe frappe whipped cream on top i'm like that's gonna that's that's gonna do you in that's gonna do you in it's like anybody getting like a large blizzard at dairy queen it's probably roughly the same amount of calories i know i do not i I get the kid size i I get the like fun snack size whatever it is i get the kid size i I can't do larges anymore large blizzards they they put me under (laughs) yeah no like when i was a kid i was always like really excited to order the max size that my parents would let me and just like hose it down and now as an adult yeah absolutely like give me a small maybe a medium maybe if that's like a pregnancy craving day yeah but yeah otherwise forget it i've gotten very close to throwing up eating a blizzard from Dairy Queen that was too big. <laughs> and my wife's like, stop, stop. I'm like, I paid for it. I'm going to eat it. Wow. wow. That's a very millennial thing right there. I'm not going <laughs> to waste it. <laughs> I got to clean my plate, man. Wow. Wow. <laughs> well, I enjoy the, the coffee talk and the ice cream talk. Um, we'll, we'll change. We'll have a sideshow coffee talk yes. on the rocks yeah. yes we will really? uh i'll i'll uh close this out here and round it out uh, uh the last two days that we've been uh celebrating here in the first week of december yesterday was cabernet franc day and today it is national repeal day nice so all right happy holidays to you well andrea i'm guessing you're not uh particularly celebrating you're probably doing uh yep the water you're doing the uh, pre-repeal day special mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's right well i figured one of the days was already dedicated to me as a person so i didn't really yeah. need to do anything that's right mm-hmm. uh tony how about you you got uh, a beverage we get you get your psl on the uh, no your peppermint on the side yes okay get yeah. it right yeah. mm-hmm. i was i i downed that one um from starbucks we're not sponsored but you know starbucks if you're interested Give us a shout. Logo. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, no, I am, I'm, you know, my usual, I'm a simple guy. Just having some Jack on the rocks. Okay. 
All right. Perfect. Living um, up to our uh, tagline here. Sometimes there's whiskey. Yes. Thank goodness. Someone's got to do it. Tony, <laughs> good job. Poor um, John's I, been carrying the torch. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I drink so little these days now. So I guess the podcast is, is my, my chance. So um, I have a GNT. So I'm not celebrating really any of the holidays other than the obvious like repeal day, which is a catch all. But um, I, I should have kind of after I made this, I remembered I was going to do uh, a Japanese whiskey um, in honor of our topics tonight mm. or make some sort of cyberpunky drink. But uh, I, I got too fixated on, on showing Tony this because I'd, I'd shown it off um, last week. But if you didn't see it, I'm using James May's newest gin, uh, American Ramstead. So of Top Gear fame, James May, he has his own gin line. And this uh, they couldn't call it American Mustard here for legal reasons. So they made an anagram of mustard, and it's now American Ram Stud. And uh, yeah, it's it's really complex. It has a lot of, uh, you know, as Andrea pointed out last week, almost too many components probably. But uh, it works. List. Yeah, it works. <laughs> So it's like yellow mustard seed, gherkin, juniper, coriander seed, angelica root, dried tomato, licorice root, orange peel, uh, kebab pepper. I still didn't look that up. Don't know what that is. Rosemary, caraway seed, ginger, and bay. So, like I know, I see the look on your face. Rack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So coriander or not? Did you say? Yeah, coriander. Yeah. Coriander. Mm -hmm. What was uh? What's the one I'm thinking of? It'll come to me later. Okay. Well, anyways, that's what I got this week. Doing this just straight G and T with it. Um, it's very flavorful and um, refreshing. It's very fitting for a, a repeal day, celebrating the end of prohibition. When I mean, gin was basically the uh, the side hustle drink of choice during prohibition. Oh yeah. Okay. Nice. I mean, easy well, easiest to. Make I mean, I meant to do this. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So. Yep. Um, all right. Drinks aside, um, Tony, well, actually, we'll start with you. It's, uh, it's, it's been a while. So give us like, you know, what have you been up to? What's the, the pop culture things that you've, you know, we talked Moon Knight brought up. What's, uh, what's been since then that's really stood out or what are you presently engaged with? So I so it's been a while. So I, I wanted to condense this into like what's been the most frequent that I could probably talk to. Um, you know, I, I started Andor and I haven't finished it and I want to because I've heard nothing but good things from Andor. And it's been recommended to me by like six different people. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. Fine. Um and it was on my list already. I just haven't made the time. But I I, I did do this weird throwback where I remembered when I was uh living abroad. Uh, my roommate had pirated all of the seasons of How I Met Your Mother. And I was like, you know what? I, I want to, like, revisit that. Because I remember, like, we were obsessed with that show. And this is back when I was, like, 20, 21. Or no, uh, 21, 22. Somewhere around there. And I started watching them again. I hate that show. <laughs> <laughs> like, I got through the first, uh, like, seven, uh, six, seven seasons. Uh, I mean, I'm in mean, this one where it's like the second to last season. I can't remember. But I hit a wall 
where all of a sudden I'm like, I I don't know if I can finish this series, this this TV show, because the the more I watch it, the more I realize I hate Ted as a character. I just can't handle him. And like the only the the character development is like halfway and then it completely side like just derails and everyone loses their character development and like they all revert back to like what they were in season one until I was like, oh my god, okay, I can't like I, it's just so outrageous and the story is so weird that I I don't know if I can finish it. But it's like the first like three or four seasons, it's funny and like it's got a little charm to it and you kind of understand what's going on. And then I don't know if it's just, maybe they, they strung it out too long or they just had to figure out how to end it and they didn't know how it's just like, okay, all right. Can't do it. Um, so that was, that was interesting. Uh, and then I, I started up on, um, Futurama again, just having that on in the background. Um, because as John would love to hear, I needed to take a break from Big Bang Theory because I was on my eighth watch through and I was like, okay, I'm going to switch Ooh. over again. <laughs> I'm telling uh, you, do you understand how many shows there are? Like my backlog is ridiculous. And you choose to return to the well of Big Bang Theory. Jesus C, Tony. Oh, no. It's bad. I, and the thing is, is like I have a backlog, but I never remember what my backlog is. So I got to start writing list. stuff yeah. down when, when yeah. people tell me to watch it, because otherwise I don't. I did, however. Um, so one of my favorite show or movies when I was growing up was uh, Santa Claus with, with Tim Allen. Oh, um, yeah. I was a huge fan of that. And so now every, every Christmas or every holiday, um, Nicole and I will watch Santa Claus, and then we do two and three. And we watch them just because they are just hysterical. <laughs> but we ended up watching the series now where they have Tim Allen comes back as oh, Santa Claus okay. and he's going to retire and he wants to, you know, spend time with his family after being Santa Claus for like 28 years. And then yep. so it was it's a very interesting show. It starts off slow. Like I would say that the first two episodes are kind of like, okay, what are they doing? How are they setting it up? And then moving forward i actually was like okay i'm i'm on board i'm on board for this for this crazy train i want to see where it goes okay nice. so that's We're those are the shows the i've been watching yeah. i like it yeah and then of course i forgot to, i forgot that was going to be a series i thought that was just like a movie that they were doing and i forgot that like they were actually making a santa claus series out of that yeah i thought what it was network is that on disney plus yep okay Okay. And then of course I have to have to watch them, but I have fallen in love with really bad Hallmark and Netflix Christmas movies. Yes, I, I love, love them. it. I need to watch them. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you watched the new one with Lindsay Lohan? Yes. And I loved I it. I haven't watched it yet. I haven't watched it yet, but I feel like I need to. My life You need to watch that. Like my teen self is just like screaming, like, you have to watch this. I don't care if it's the biggest piece of hot garbage. Like you obviously have to see it. And here's the funny part, like, it does not try to be something it knows it's not. Like it sure. it, it lays into in. like listen, we got Lindsay Lohan. We're gonna like we're gonna make her this like charismatic, kind of lovable 
character and she's gonna it's gonna be full-on hallmark netflix type of just crazy christmas love story and you're like all right let's do it i love it well that's those are some choices Uh, i have i've heard that the the lindy lohan (laughs) thing those are choices (laughs) those are shows yeah (laughs) Uh, those are things your eyes can see I, I've heard relatively positive things about the Lindsay Lohan one. Um, I'm planning to hopefully watch the the Will Ferrell Ryan Reynolds movie oh, Christmas movie. I did watch that one. Something. I don't. I watched remember that what it's one. It's just, I think it's on Apple. Spirited. Um, it's spirited. Yeah. Spirited. Okay. okay. It is. Um, have you? So have you? Any of you? Have either of you watched it? Not yet. No. So it's a musical. Didn't right. Know that. Yeah. <laughs> Did not know that going in. Oh. Um, <laughs> but if you're a if you're a fan of the Christmas Carol, um that yes. is the motif that it takes. And I don't mm-hmm. want to spoil anything or ruin anything, but I will say that it does a I think it does a really good job at uniquely portraying the Christmas Carol motif, which there are hundreds right. of movies that do the Christmas Carol. Um, I myself am a huge Christmas Carol fan. I watch it every year. I go to the Guthrie in Minneapolis and I will watch the Christmas Carol and see what rendition they're going to do of it. So I like know the story inside and out. I've read the book. I've seen the plays. I've seen movies. I've seen multiple different versions of it, like with Patrick Stewart and, uh, the Muppets Christmas Carol. Like I love them all. Obviously the best. Yeah. (laughs) I was say that's the only one you really need, right? Yeah. That pretty much just not the only one. No, 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 it's the best. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, or like, you know, Scrooged, right? That's Uh, another good one. Murray, you know, Mm -hmm. you have to like, like you Scrooge is weird because like, there are a lot of people that do not like Scrooged. Um, and that is a hit or miss comedy. I think you have to like Bill Murray. You have to like what they're going for in that like comedic take on it. Well, Otherwise, it doesn't fit. I, yeah, I actually also think you don't just have to like Bill Murray. I mean, you have to like Bill Murray and. Because I think people go into it just thinking like, oh, Bill Murray, like, this is going to be so cute. And like, Scrooge is not what they're expecting. Mm. So you can't you can't just be like, this is a Bill Murray movie. I am going to like it. You Do you think like, no, that it's a little that's bit different. A- modern audience thing though because bill murray now is sort of this weird status thing and like people will put bill murray's picture on their shirt like it's a he's become something larger and there's a a hilarity to what his image has become but back in the day like just a comedic actor you know coming whether it's like from ghostbusters or something like that it's like he was seen different and was different Versus now, if someone's familiar with, oh, he isn't he is he's that guy in uh, that zombie movie, you know, or whatever. Right. It's like that's what I mean. And like, they're you not can't that. just be like, oh, I've seen Bill Murray in Ghostbusters. Like, this is that because it's not mm-hmm. that. It's not. No, this is. <laughs> it's a really weird role for Bill Murray to yes. to play. Like he is a manic asshole <laughs> in that movie. Um, but no, I mean, your point, Bill, Bill Murray's a vibe. He's a hundred percent a vibe. Yes. Well, cool. That's been, that's a lot of good stuff. Um, Andrea, how about you? You've been 
holidays holidaying it up at all or i mean i know you do the baking um, show normally um yeah i know uh so we we have not watched the holiday version of the great british baking show yet although we did finish the regular season and uh my person like my second person right one so yeah excited all right nice cool my first person got eliminated and I was crushed mm -hmm. and devastated. But then the person mm -hmm. I was like, okay, if they're not there, I want this person. They got it. So I'm cool. Awesome. Um, but I did, speaking of holidays, do kind of like a throwback uh, to Halloween watch. I started uh, the new Netflix series Wednesday. Okay. Um, with Jenna Ortega in the lead role. Uh, I've only seen the first episode. So based on like some preliminary judgments, it's set up well. Jenna Ortega as Wednesday does like nails the deadpan that mm -hmm. Christina Ricci perfected, I think, uh, sure. in the uh, in the Adams Family movies. Uh, Catherine Zeta Jones is a treat as Morticia. She is okay. wonderful. She is pouring all of her vamp into that role, and I love it. Mm -hmm. Uh. Gwen Christie as the headmistress has a lot of potential and a lot of potential hmm. for like some fun backstory because she's definitely like playing a surface stereotype that I feel like is hiding some stuff. It's like so Gwendolyn Christie, like, uh, yeah. okay, Game of Thrones. Okay. Brand of Tarth. Yeah. All right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and then there is, there are a couple of surprise guest appearances that I don't want to ruin. So I just want to say, like, those are fun little, like, treats for the viewer as well. Um, so, yeah, I think, it's a, I think it's a strong opening, and I'm really excited to see the rest of the series. Um, okay. And Chris, shockingly, was very excited about watching it, um, which I shouldn't have been as surprised because I did introduce him to the Adams Family movies, like, just a couple of years ago, and he was like, mm. these are amazing. So I Thanks. should have known he would want to watch it, but... Now, now I gotta slow down and be on his timetable. So we'll see how far we get. Mm. Yeah, I was considering that one. Uh, I've heard, I've heard pretty good things. Mostly, I yeah. like you said, mirroring the really good performance from the lead. Um, heard uh, the only thing I've really heard about is some pacing. It's like yeah, I could, I could see that being an issue for sure. Yeah. Um, but I, like I said, I'm only one episode in, so I don't want to like. Yep. say for certain how i feel about it but yeah strong start cool um and then i've just watched a couple of other things because i've really been focused on like starting and finishing shows mm. um so i finished romantic killer um an, also a netflix production um and that was really good it did suffer i think a little bit from some pacing issues speaking of um, and it suffered a little bit from, I think, spreading out too many characters over too few episodes where you, like, didn't get to. Okay. So, it's like, it's, like, a cute romantic comedy with, like, a harem feel of, like, our main heroine gets, like, a bunch of suitors and goes on building relationships with each of them. And I think they just didn't give us enough time to, like, really settle with each different, like, possibility so it was a little too surface level. So it wasn't like quite as meaningful. It was fun. It was cute. Like it was, it did what it was designed to do, but it could have been more. 
So I was a little okay. bit disappointed with that. Did it do the thing where, you know, that an anime often does in the, you kind of find who you want to root for to be yeah. the pick and then they make you frustrated because they're going another way or like all this stuff. It's yes. like, no, just stop, you know? Okay. Yes, right. absolutely. All right. Yeah. They like, they like find success, like introducing the new person and it's like, great. We have like more options and it's all fun. And like, she gets, you know, time with each and you get to pick your one. But then it just like did that, I think, one too many times. Mm -hmm. Right. That was kind of so. my problem with Rascal Does Not Dream a Bunny Girl Senpai because it was, it was too, you know who the person should be with. And then they have to come up with reasons and excuses to kind of create love triangles, love quadrangles, yeah. and like, you know, just all different stuff. Misunderstanding and, scenarios. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, so Gilmore so. Girls. <laughs> oh god like one of the longest stretches <laughs> but yes um and then i started and finished another netflix series called business proposal where a uh a young woman goes on a blind date for her friend with the intent of like rejecting this guy and scaring him away as she's done for her friend like a million other times which is to me like one of the most fun parts of the the series. You get to like see the other ways she's like creatively rejected her dates. So if anybody's ever looking for some ideas, the show's got some for you. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so she goes on this blind date, unknowing that it's the uh, the CEO, of course, of her own company. So she like kind of freaks mm. out. She's like, "Oh my god! Like, what if I run into him at work and he like sees me and fires me?" because I went on this date and pretended to be like totally nuts. Um, so yeah, so it's very like, you know, comedy, like in the workplace, like I have to avoid him, but now suddenly he's everywhere and like, yeah. Oh, he figures out my scheme. Like now he wants me to pretend to be his girlfriend and like, you know, yeah. It's, all plausible, it's a, it's a, very realistic. All, all like super things that obviously mm -hmm. happen every day in the workplace. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like those things though. Was, I've read a few mangas in that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was, it was well acted. Um, the leads had very great chemistry and the second couple actually like the B pairing um, were really, really funny and really great. Okay. So I, I enjoy that when you can like not only root for the lead couple, but you got like that you know, kind of like our maybe right. meant to be. Yeah, when, right, you know, exactly. Reading, like you have a strong side couple that you're like, yeah, you too. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, Yep. Tony, you should get on reading maybe meant to be. It's free. It's on your phone. It's a webtoon. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's really good. I mean, if you're, if you're into the holiday movies from Hallmark Channel. Oh, gosh, yeah. Nothing is beneath you. So, like, you can... Uh, you can manage. Hey, John. <laughs> John's like, this is the last bastion of culture I will accept right here. <laughs> it's the lowest rung on my culture ladder. Hallmark it's, movie. It, in fairness, it's not. It's, I could think of other things. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I um, um, watched a lot, of, a lot of anime this week. I really a big mix of things, honestly. Uh, Chainsaw yeah. Man, two episodes in the last couple weeks here, episode or episode seven and eight. 
Um, I talked about that on a separate show on our channel. You can go ahead and watch. It was a bonus episode this uh, week or whatever. Had some good engagement there. So if you're interested in Chainsaw Man specifically, go ahead and take a look at that. Um, suffice it to say that it's beginning to live up to the hype for sure. So um, I'm enjoying that. Um, I started a show on Netflix called Somebody. and it's um it's a korean show that's kind of a thriller murder sort of thing and it's shot well it's well acted i've seen the first two episodes there's a few moments it kind of it's it is jumping between a number of characters and stories and they're all kind of connected and so there was some confusion there um and maybe some odd effects but overall i'm intrigued by the the mystery of it and it's a good looking show so um hoping to continue with that um tony i thought you would bring up warhammer dark tide actually uh so tony and i played a few few games of warhammer 40k dark tide it's um uh, available on game pass now it just came out the other day it had been in beta a little bit. So um been playing that. That's really kind of got me back into the Warhammer world a little bit. Listening to the soundtrack to that today was really good. It was and, too. Uh, yeah, it's uh <laughs> that's pretty legit. So that's been I, fun. I, I do enjoy that game. I do if if anybody listening is even remotely interested in like the Warhammer 40k lore. Right. I mean, this is this is a great entry into kind of a peek behind the curtain as to like how insane that lore is and like how deep it goes. Um, it's it is really cool. I think that's a really wonderful sci-fi, grim, dark type atmosphere, and I think it captures it really well. It gets me really mm-hmm. excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should. Um, I have a recommendation for you. I, I've talked about this uh, author quite a bit on here before, but uh, Sutomo Nihei, you should look up his work because I'm reading right now um, this particular manga. Um, it's He has several. Blam is my favorite, but this is uh, Abara, and it really is a lot of the kind of... I would describe it as grimdark, like you were sort of saying. Mm-hmm. It's set in very dystopian future kind of times. And uh, yeah, it's really, to me, is in a similar sort of vibe. But, yeah. The, the far-flung yeah. future where there is only war. Yeah. Like, kind of like that. Yeah. Something like that. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, that's what I've been up to, basically. Um, all the reading and such, but... We'll move along here. We have just one news story because found out about today and thought it deserved um, the time to talk about it a little bit. Kiersey Alley, um, that I know anyways from Cheers, I'm sure many people know her from that, has just passed away at the age of 71 from cancer. So our thoughts and condolences with her family. I didn't realize she was 71. I didn't either. I mean, um, she seems simultaneously too young and too old to be 71. I just like, would imagine she was like 60. 
like I I feel like she looked really um youthful for her age. She looked younger yes. than 71. Yes. And and sort of but when I like just like conceptualized like Kirstie Alley and thinking about like the fact that she was on Cheers, that just feels like like pre my lifetime. Mm. Like popularity. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like the height of its popularity is just like pre like what I would consider to be like my prime TV watching years. So okay. it just sort of felt like Cheers was somehow older than it was. Hmm. I definitely I mean? grew up with it, so it was like regular thing for me. Even oh, yeah. I, gotcha. I not watch it. I, really? I actually I had to look. I'm trying to look up like her film her like film discography or whatever you want to filmography. Yeah. Because uh, I was like, I know I've seen her in a lot of things, but it's like I can't off the top of my head remember what they are because I never I never watched oh, sure. Cheers. It was like hmm. Cheers and Wink. Was it Wings? What was the other one? Was she in Wings? No, no, no but that I was mean, like that same that. era oh, of yeah, television. Yeah, yeah, like that yeah. era, I, I, that was right before I started really watching TV. Right, okay. right, and so like I watched Cheers like retroactively. Like I mm. didn't watch like you know when it was going on, like when it was on the air. So then I just okay. feel like Cheers is older than it is. So that therefore I thought like she must be older than she is. Okay. Sure. I understand. Well, anyways, um, uh, again, thoughts with the family. Sorry yes, for her passing. And um, good stuff. Yeah. All right. Um, moving on from there. No other news, but there's something I was going to bring up on the anime podcast, but then I'm like, well, maybe I'm completely off base here. So I wanted to, you know, ask what you guys thought about it. I just, so my, uh, my idea here is that Japanese content is something that I'm particularly enthralled with and have been for a long time. And I think the part of what makes that really unique is how, um, Japanese content with American content in particular has borrowed so heavily from one another for so long. You know, I, when we talk about anime in particular, it was very much inspired by the early Walt Disney stuff. And then they brought it back and did their own thing. And, you know, now we see the kind of reverse where that's the popular thing. And Disney is, in fact, working to bring more anime to their service. Um, but what stands out to me, and, and I thought of this when I started reading Webtoons, which is more more commonly Korean content, is you'll often see Webtoons that are very about being in Korea. And it's uh, a lot of that stuff is feels a little more foreign. Some of the things they deal with when they go and use historical things, it's very often in uh, you know, their fantasy historical Korea context or whatever. Whereas when you look at the breadth of Japanese content over the years, many of the largest properties are are using Western content and use it, telling it from a Japanese perspective. So when we look at video games, you know, some of the examples I brought were Resident Evil and Mario. Um, Resident Evil is in like a Detroit or I forget what it's Raccoon City. It's in America. You know, and but these are Japanese people making this and telling their own version of it. Mario, the Italian plumber, you know, um, so they're using a Western. I don't, I don't think Mario's Italian. Yeah, he's supposed to be. Yeah, 
No, I think he's from New York. That they're doing that now for the movie is, but it's always been an Italian plumber. Oh, yeah. So they can change it, you know, they want or whatever. But uh, because clearly they're having Chris Pratt be the voice for it and stuff. But um, Final Fantasy jumps all over the place, but it's kind of this mix, you know. Often it's the medieval knights that they're doing in a in a Final Fantasy kind of setting. And so Cowboy Bebop, when you look at anime, is l- essentially a love letter to the to Western or American culture. You know, there's a lot of cow- yeah, cowboys in the name. The name t- episode titles are all about, um, you know, uh, based off of bands and songs and stuff like that. So I just think this is part of what makes Japanese content so unique and great. Because we certainly get things that are very, what we would identify as very Japanese, but we also get a lot of content that's them playing with Western culture and Western ideas. And I think sometimes other places are afraid to do that or they don't seem to feel the need or something. Very often here, someone, if they're writing a story, you know, look at our Spider-Man. Spider-Man is based on the East Coast. You know, it's a New York thing. Superman and Batman as well. You know, that's supposed to be essentially like a New York. It's East Coast. Like we play with our home and not that Japan doesn't do that. They obviously do. Like Persona, you are in Japan. You can walk all around Shinjuku and all this stuff. They absolutely do. But there's just so many things. The list is kind of endless of them using Western stuff and doing their own spin on it. And I just think that it's kind of one of the tricks to their stuff being so great and also maybe resonating with um, a broader audience in general. I mean, I, I would I would agree. I think prior to what you could see as like the globalization of world entertainment, which would be, you know, kind of the, uh, the introduction and the height of the streaming services really, I think, brought a lot of access to material that that was not accessible by people in the west right um prior to that you know you'd say anime and it was basically if it came out of japan it was anime if it didn't it wasn't i mean that was in my mind kind of how you looked at it right because then you had like toonami and you know they would always have toonami was your anime special like they would always show Dragon Ball Z, Cowboy Bebop, uh, Yu Yu Hakusho, um, Zatch Bell, like all these, you know, shows that were primarily developed, written, and, uh, uh, sorry, I can't think of the word. Produced. Um, yeah, thank yeah, you, produced uh, out of Japan. Um, but now you have this globalization where, to your point, it's, it's, it's not become like a, more of a genre, it's become kind of like just a style of how you portray a story how the world works in that area or in the lore stuff like that it's become very globalized um and i think that gives them leeway to reach a reach a broader audience but also for people you know like american producers to create their own americanized version of those shows some good some not I'm sorry. I like I I checked out for just a little bit there because I had to look up the origins of Mario. Mm-hmm. And uh there's there's some like friction about who he is. 
Um, apparently, the creator um, has said very, like, directly and specifically that he was influenced by the Western comics that he was reading. So he decided to give him, like, very, like, very Western features, like the overly large nose and eyes. Um, and he was like, you know, the setting didn't really matter to me very much. So I just decided Mario is a plumber. Let's put him in New York and he can be Italian. Okay. So he's, he's he's from he's, the Bronx. He says Italian New York. So he's the he's the creator. The games uh the engineer said Super Mario Brothers isn't set in Japan, but the character's Japanese. The name wow. Mario sounds Italian, but he isn't Italian. They were really able able to capture that ambiguity. So the reason I the reason I was like convinced that he was from New York. Right, I think it's it's twofold. One is because I, I thought he always was like in my mind. I think I always thought he was just like a New York Italian plumber, right? But then sure. two, because of in my mind the the A list movie Super Mario Bros. from the nineties <laughs> that was just unbelievably fantastic all of you watching if you've never seen the original super mario bros live action movie it is is something to behold right it is something to behold and you need to watch that movie that is i think also why i thought he was from like new york okay well apparently he is or maybe not or he's from japan (laughs) (laughs) A lot of those things, you know, people kind of underestimate or I think I guess overthink it when, you know, your company and you're deciding to make this thing. A lot of times all this thought doesn't go into it. You know, it's not until it explodes and it's a massive thing and you're like 20 games in, you know, and it's it's ballooned way more than you ever initially thought. And so it creates these kind of concept. What is this? What was that? What you know, it's like, guys, we were drawing cool things that we you know like you weren't supposed to take it so seriously you know and like but then it it blows up you know so i i completely understand you know everybody well yeah that's why i think um the creator was saying like uh you know they said they set the game underground you know he was like a plumber so i just decided he was a plumber going through pipes in new york city like he's he's italian now too cool Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Print it, send it, sell it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Rubber so stamp that, done. That's what I mean. Like we, you know, very often it seems, and to me, at least what I'm familiar with, it seems like a lot of other cultures, and it's normal when you're a writer, to you write what you know. So you write mm-hmm. what's around you. You write the experiences you've had. You write what you've seen because, you know, you look at anyone doing a historical fiction novel. That's a lot of research because you probably didn't know a lot of it. So, um, but the Japanese seem unafraid to take things that they've seen culture wise from other places and just use it, just play with it. You know, Legend of Zelda again is medieval sort of thing. If you look at a lot of like Chinese fiction right now and stuff, at least in the kind of uh, comic space, again, it's very much using ancient China as the template. They're not writing something that is dealing with medieval Europe kind of thing. I'm watching Spy Family now. It's a story about East versus West, but it is very much, uh, you know, the characters have 
uh, English names, Western names, and it's very much designed like a, like it'd be like a Berlin or something. Um, and so I just think it sets, sets them apart and it, you know, anime and manga is known for being way out there and having tons of original ideas. Like they can, it, the sheer scope of all the content and what they're about sometimes is ludicrous, but you find all kinds of amazing things with it. And I think that other places would maybe benefit in using this kind of thing for cultures that they really are appreciative of. Um, and then have a lot of, uh, have had a lot of influence on their own, own culture. Well, I think, you I know, mean... manga especially is insanely unique because anime and manga, it, the art style and the way that it's, it's done, I think portrays emotion and story differently than a lot of other media and it works in that genre of media right like the way that you can portray anger frustration happiness love uh excitement adventure all that kind of stuff you can almost like you can you can have two spectrums of it where you can go incredibly insane and like things just don't make sense but they somehow work you know people are flying around they're pulling out weapons out of pockets of multi-dimensional universes and everything like that and it works and it all all kind of culminates in that story um and it's very unique because there's not a lot of genre of entertainment that can get away with that and still be good andrew you're gonna say something yeah i mean i was just i was gonna take you know kind of a thought in a, in a different direction. Um, I mean, part of, part of me wonders and thinks about, you know, the fact that cultural content that's coming from Japan seems to, like, as you said, have so much more room to play and to, to be unafraid of, of expanding beyond its own borders. Um, part of me wonders if that's because at least as far as Western audiences go, we've been exposed to more cultural export from Japan and places like Korea and China are, are still feeling out a toehold of what comes from us. How do we, how do we create our own, you know, unique cultural export and storytelling in a way that's not only you know, unique and telling an original story, but is also representative of our culture because, you know, do people know what our culture is? Can they differentiate it? You know, people in the West, can they differentiate it from, you know, like, oh, it's just from Asian, you know, origin, so it must be Japanese content. You know, right. I mean, obviously there are people who will pick up on a nuance or people who are interested and like care about the delineation, but for like mass broad, you know, general audience that you're trying to market to, like, I, I just wonder if they're trying to feel out their own toeholds, you know, like obviously South Korea in particular has had success with like exporting K-pop and that's right. like very centered on their cultural identity. So it's, you know, on the one hand, like they found a formula for success that I think encourages them to keep things like uniquely focused on Korea. But then also like maybe there's a stepping point later where they can say like, okay, like we've established who we are, like our cultural base, like let's, let's start and, growing. 
and you're right because that is happening right now um they i forget what version they call it is like k-pop v4 i maybe i've i don't know which one it's on now um but basically it is that they're they're the discussion has been you might see k-pop groups that have that are based out of somewhere else that have no sure, korean yeah. talent and so right now my favorite group is uh there's three korean members and two japanese members and uh another new group is um like two Korean women and a uh, couple Vietnamese and a Vietnamese Australian. Like, so okay. they're, they're understanding that they do have an export here and it has sure. gained a lot of attention. And so they're doing what they can to broaden that, that horizon and broaden the, uh, the market that they, um, they already have um, without, without losing what makes it what it is. So it's a genre of music. So I apologize. I'm not in the K-pop. Like, I don't listen to it. I don't really know a lot about it. Um, so it sounds to me like it's kind of becoming more of a genre of music than it is a geographic type export, right? So I think like, so. Oh, yes. country music. You have, you know, dubstep, dance. EDM and K-pop are like kind of so it's like anybody can do K-pop. It's just that type of genre music. I think, and I think that Evolving you know, into that, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the way it's going to be. You know, we're talking with uh, manga and anime and different stuff like that because the lines are going to be blurred. You know, you have different production places from all over the place that are hiring for whatever content to be made. They're getting farmed out to all different places. Um, and I'm like, I, I was talking to Ashley about this before and I'm like, okay, every place has their own local word for what comic is. And I would do not expect anyone to be, to call it manga when it's from Japan and manhwa when it's from Korea and manhua when it's from China and, you know, comic books when it's from America and whatever for all the places, that's an unrealistic expectation. And I understand that it's going to just be called manga and if it's in that style and it's going to be called anime if it can be in that style and i think eventually yeah it's going to be k-pop if it's in that style so i think that i do think that's where we're going i agree anyways um yeah thought i'd run it by you guys see if you had thoughts um we do need to talk about our main topic here um Cyberpunk Edge Runners. So, um, as I mentioned, we saw this a while ago. It is a, it is an anime that is written by a Polish person, that is produced by Netflix. Um, so, case in point. Um, but yeah, uh, Andrew, you found this that they're they're they've come on record and say there's not plans for a season two. Yeah, yeah. There was a, a little bit of coyness, I think, around um, whether or not Netflix was maybe going to, like, pick up a season two or, like, order a second season. And um, CD Projekt Red was like, mm, it's one season intentional. Like, we that's what we really wanted. Um, so I don't know if maybe Netflix was the one pushing for more or if there was just, like, you know, internet buzz out there. Like, oh, this is such a great show. We really would love a second season. But yeah. They've officially come out and said, like, this is going to be a standalone work. That's how you should consider it. 
And I think uh, if you've if you've watched all the way to the end, it's not really shocking that they uh, they would consider this standalone because character wise, they didn't leave themselves uh, many avenues to go to. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually love that about it. And I, I think if they did do a second season or they did a, a second rendition of this, the smart thing for CD Projekt Red to do would be to pounce on this popularity from the show and they would create an anthology series because the world they've created is insane i mean cyberpunk Mm -hmm. 2077 um apart from kind of the bugginess that it was the the lore in the world is beautiful it's really it's a really wonderful world to explore uh and i think they could do a lot with that yeah i agree I do, I do like this statement from CDPR. I think it's a good call, you know, that this was their, sort of their plan. And it also plays into um, Studio Trigger nicely because Studio Trigger, um, Gurren Lagann, one season. Kill a Kill, one season. Uh, Darling in the Franks, one season. Um, they, they tell stories that come to an end. You know, they have a beginning, a middle, and an end. They are completed, and then they move on to new stuff, generally speaking. Promare, they made a movie. It's one movie. Um, so I think this is great. You leave people wanting more. Hopefully people then both want more of Cyberpunk World and more of what this studio is responsible for. And yeah, I think it's... Well, it's, right it's funny that you mentioned that because I was going to text you when I was watching it. I got, it's like the second episode uh second or third i think it was like the second or third episode i was watching the show and i'm like why why does this feel like flcl like why why am i getting like felicly vibes from this and then i looked it up and that's when i figured out that it was the publisher that did that i was like oh wow it's the same same publisher (laughs) publisher or the Um... same like the same the same group okay 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 Mm -hmm. studio group i don't know i don't know what you call them Ah, I'm going to look this up because this does not, because it's clearly a different team than what I'm talking about with Studio Trigger. So I don't think there's any involvement with them here. So yeah, Gainix, uh, Production IG. Uh, Production IG is huge, but they're different. Um, There's a name attached. Um... So I'm not <clears throat> not saying you saw something wrong, but I don't know what, what I could have. I was I was just kind of browsing around looking at the, the studios that were involved with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe they had a help from an animation studio that was involved here or something like that. I, I, I don't know, I guess. But mm-hmm. <clears throat> but yeah, I, I can see the uh, I can see the similarities for sure. You know, there's a um, there's uh, a. It looks like they had. Uh... Some overlapping directors for episodes. Okay. Okay. Nice. Makes sense. But I mean, I yeah. I thought Cyberpunk Edge Runners was a very, it was a very refreshing take on this on this genre. Like, especially with with Netflix, kind of. It didn't didn't you come and tell me that like Netflix had been cutting a lot of their animation budget going into this that past was the year? Tale, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it kind of bummed me out because I was like also a huge fan of 
the League of Legends Arcane. Arcane. Yeah. I thought Arcane yeah. was was really good. And awesome. when the Edge Runners came out, I'm like, that's like another home run. Like that's that's some serious stuff that they're pumping out here. Mm. Um, that's available to like what I said earlier with that global available to a, a very wide audience to really bring a huge popularity to that. Mm. Um, I just thought you know. In in a world where there's just we are oversaturated with entertainment and there are shows all over the place, there's new stuff being produced every single day. To have something that is very pure, very true to its source material, very well written, very well directed, very concise on the message and the story it wanted to tell, um, mm -hmm. was very refreshing. And I really really enjoyed that from from Edge Runners. Plus. There's not a lot of shows that I watch where you actively have an emotional attachment to the main characters. <laughs> like, you end up getting attached to these characters, and mm -hmm. you truly want them to succeed. Um, it's just, it's just, it was just a, a, an emotional roller coaster, and I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, what's interesting is, Tony, you've played the game. Andrea, you haven't played the game, and you both like it. Yes. So, a success, you know. Yeah, I think uh, I think Netflix is straddling a line very well recently um, with a lot of like video game based content. Um, obviously, I don't think anybody's going to argue that Castlevania is like a huge success. And again, as somebody who's like barely touched, you know, anything in, right. in the gaming world, like you know, to me, that's one of my favorite things that Netflix has produced recently. Um, Arcane, I have never played League of Legends, so I had nothing. Nor even should though you. I know like even though I know like it wasn't like let me tell you the story of League of Legends. I know it was very like side attached to it. Um, you know, still not having any of that context and thinking like Arcane is also again a really strong production. And then coming here and not having played the game, like, you know, I just I think Netflix is doing that really well right now. Like whoever they're they're farming out these projects to, they're making smart hires. Yeah, well, I think I think it touches on because I also like I I never played League of Legends, and it's one of those ones that I was told not to play League of Legends <laughs> either. Right. <laughs> um, but it's also not my cup of tea for for games, so it's all good. But what you have with Arcane and Edge Runners is a very mm -hmm. beautiful thing because you know the people that were behind it, the writers, the animators, they loved the source material. They were passionate about the project itself and they wanted to tell a really good story and be right. true to that. And I think a lot of what you see Netflix, what they've done in the past and why I got upset with Netflix is let's let's take, and this is going to be an example, it's probably going to trigger John, let's take Cowboy Bebop. Oh, God. Oh God! That's why? an example. Why? I'm gonna, I'm gonna just shut off this camera, this microphone, just like get out I of wasn't, here. I wasn't on this podcast. I probably have time the... to make my own like eggnog and rhubarb pie, so I'll see you in a couple hours. I knew that was gonna be the response too, because I, I have been on the phone with John for hours as he's ranting about it. So I'm, I'm just gonna bring it up though, as, as a very quick aside, that is a perfect juxtaposition to these shows as this is what happens when you want to pump something out and attach a name to it just to get viewership mm -hmm. versus right this is what we want to do and we're going to give it to somebody who can
cares and loves the story and they're going to present something. The popularity comes from that because you, you get that sense of story. You get that sense of they wanted to make something great out of this. And, and I knew, I knew it was good when I had a buddy who had never played cyberpunk actually ask me, is it worth playing after watching edge runners? And a hundred percent, I was like, yeah, play it, play it. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you'll love all the connections then, you know, you'll love all the sound effects are the same. You get a phone call. It's there, you know, you cross in the street and the sounds there, like all that stuff adds up a lot, taking music from the soundtrack, uh, and great selection of songs, I think, uh, was, uh, was a good call. They, though they're very different styles, the two fit well so well together if you migrate from one to the next <clears throat> and i think that they also made the right call and don't didn't do what so many others want to do now which i think is just the worst mistake um we have it with sony in particular right now is who i think of they're trying to take and they did it with kawiba you try to take the thing that exists and retell that story in a new medium as opposed to expanding upon. This is not retelling the game story. This is telling another story in this world. And it makes the whole experience more rich. I don't know why people can't learn this. It happened with Star Wars. It's why Star Wars was so great. You had all these pieces that would add to the puzzle. That's why people like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. All these pieces that added to the puzzle, you know? It's like it each thing builds upon the next and makes the other one better. If you just retell it, they're coming with the Last of Us show on HBO. If you've mm -hmm. played the game, fine, you'll rewatch it. You'll watch the show probably, but do you really care that much if you know what's going to happen exactly? Like, wouldn't you rather see how things got started, wouldn't you rather see a different character and their struggles or how they got to the point? And now you wanna you have questions and you want to play the game because you want to finish that story or you want more to it. Uh, obviously not everybody has to do this all the time, but I am definitely a proponent of this. And I think you're only causing more curiosity and building more value to your property by expanding it as opposed to duplicating it. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you a question then, because I'm actually excited for the Last of Us show. Um, I really love the game. I just want to see what they're going to do. It's one of those where like mm -hmm. I'm excited because I want to see what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. um, but let me ask you this: so, so when it comes to the medium of which you want to tell these stories, Edge Cyberpunk Edge Runners, obviously it's an anime. Do you think you could do a cyberpunk live action story, or do you think the medium would detract? from that world i and think I'm by by cyberpunk live action story you mean like tied specifically to cyberpunk like 2077 yeah yeah like like not, like, like, not just like tell me a, a live action cyberpunk as a genre story no no no, no. i'm talking like edge yeah. runners but live action and not the same stories as runners. i'm just saying like a story like edge runners but live action sure. instead of anime the, like Lucy makes it, and we're gonna we're gonna like tell a side story about like what happens next. Yeah, yeah, you could do something like that. But then they decided like they're not gonna do it animated; they're gonna do it live action. Yeah. Right. That would be my question: Is can could you pull off that type of story, that motif in live action? Current day 
American media could not know. But yes, it could totally be done. Like, there's no reason it can't be done. I mean, the two Blade Runner movies are amazing. Love the Blade Runner movies. They're, you know, obviously uh, hallmarks of the cyberpunk genre. Um, so, yes, we could do it. But Carbon season one is my favorite. Season one, though. Season one, and then they dropped I the know. ball. I- all I'm saying I is still season one. Yes. So I think I think it's totally possible. But if it was announced, I'd be it's gonna suck. It's gonna suck. I've, so I've been a firm believer now, and I feel like it still holds true. Video games are a medium to tell a story. I still think to this day you cannot make a live action video game movie. Well, do you mean like a direct adaptation? Yeah, like either an adaptation or, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think here. So, so an example would be like, so, so remember back when we were kids, how they had like movies coming out that were always like the Resident Evil series, right? Right, the Resident Evil movies that were loosely based on, yeah, that. Let's emphasize world. that loose. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna just loose very loosely based. <laughs> um, and then you had uh, they came up with Doom with Dwayne the Rock Johnson, right? Doom, the it movie did. Doom. Uh, you know, they they I, I've never seen a, a movie or a show that's live action. Um, I, I'm not gonna bring The Witcher because I haven't seen The Witcher fully all the way through, and I haven't played The Witcher game, so I can't okay. speak to that. But the ones that I've seen have never been good to the extent that they really live up to the game itself. So I think I still think there is no reason that a game cannot be successfully adapted into a live action movie. I think that most of the problem stems from uh, Hollywood wanting to cash in on a name. And, you know, name recognition is they get the rights to make a movie of it. And that's what they do. They aren't particularly familiar with it themselves. They don't actually care about it. It's like, hey, we can tell a cool zombie story and I can put my wife in it. And won't that be fun? And, uh, you know, like it's very little, you know, it's not from the ground up by the team. You know, that's like cyberpunk. This this is by people involved in the game. You know, mm-hmm. that or cared about writing it and they picked the team to do this and it mattered to that it matched with the world. These are all just often throwaways. And I think some things slip through the cracks. Like the Silent Hill movie is quite fun. The first Tomb Raider movie is quite fun. The Uncharted movie, despite my complaints, is well managed uh, in a lot of ways. So it, there's, but a lot of the issues I think comes from. Again, trying to cash in, not knowing what they're doing, not knowing what they're talking about or caring about the property, and then trying to, if if they do, they're trying to retell a story that when they should just like add to the story, you know, like uh, fill in pieces of the puzzle, like I was saying. I 100% agree. I watched, I actually watched the Uncharted movie on my way to Barcelona <laughs> on mm. the plane. That's nice. um, if if you if you didn't call that movie Uncharted. I think it's actually not a really bad movie. Like, I think Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg do a really good job, like, kind of the dynamic between them on, on set. But 100% to your point, 
they wanted the name recognition. So they said, we're going to throw Uncharted on this and we're going to make a million. It's like, that's not how this works, man. Yep. Yep. Um, Tony, if you have time, Andrea, you have some interesting uh, kind of themes about the cyberpunk hedge runners. If not, Tony, I I can understand. Okay. I I got got some time here. Let's let's stay with you. I mean, yeah, I just, I, I, I kind of was thinking, you know, Tony, as you were saying, like, you know, you're watching this and it was reminding you of other shows. I mean, I was watching through this and and really thinking of like Gurren Lagann and kind of our our main protagonist who is, you know, adopted into like a family of outcasts and, um, you know, kind of adopted most especially uh, by the leader. And then that leader dies and then our our protagonist feels beholden to like carry out their legacy and carry out their dreams for them and their dreams for the world and it's just kind of this like really interesting overarching question um that i think uh here in the world of cyberpunk edgerunners um our main character david gets at, gets told this a lot by lucy you know you're you're living someone else's or you're chasing someone else's dream And, um, it just like really just made me think like, you know, are we, when we lose people who have dreams for us, like, are we more beholden to, you know, carrying those out or like putting so much weight on those and that concept of legacy and, and living out that vision that others have for us? Or should we be really like, you know, like thinking like, Hey, I'm respectful of this and I appreciate you know you but you're you're not alive anymore like i really need to be living for myself and for the people who are living around me and i think that's where some of like the excellent tensions of the episodes come in where david feels pulled between this sense of like i'm living for the people who died for me you know my mom and maine and you know but his but the crew that he's leading really needs him to be like actively thinking about the present and their lives a little bit more. And there's a lot of tension, I think, throughout the series that's done really well. So just like kind of these like big, yeah. big like concepts that are just explored in a really unique way. Yeah, I I agree. And it, it's insightful. It, to me, it's like um, uh, it, it speaks to the Bushido way of Japan. It uh, calls into like honor um, and respecting your um kind of your inheritance your responsibilities your um like to think outside of and beyond yourself so obviously this isn't a family situation but as you say an adopted family and um it's good to point out the similarity with with Gurren Lagann because that's absolutely true and so we we see how in this how it that really ends up going awry and to me this can be a a, a comment whether it is or not it can be a comment on um you know other cultures but japanese culture as well and um it's um yeah i i like this thought and i like how we see the the again the respect in this and but then at the same time how disastrously it destroys everything else around how it really um like you say it to pushes other people aside and the needs of the moment um and it was definitely a frustration of the show like david what do you 
come on, stop. Do you not see, you know, and you mentioned here too, addiction, like, because it, it goes along with this, then like, do you not see what just happened to your adopted father? You know, he did the right. same thing. You are falling down the same steps that he did. And why can you not recognize this and pull back? And, um, you know, it's, I think the two issues can be married together uh, well, and, and it is done so here. Um, yeah, a great, you know, it's a great point. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I, I especially, I was getting so frustrated because, you know, it, it's almost like, like David, to me, David had two, two real lives that he wanted to live. You know, one was this, what you were talking about, where he felt like he was obligated or by honor drawn to carry forth a, a life that was not his, but that was Maine's vision. And he felt like he needed to do that. But then it was fighting his own life that he just, he wanted to belong and be loved by Lucy. And, and he had that. And he had that. He kept ignoring it. And it's, mm -hmm. you, there is that that frustration that you get where, you know, you see him starting to fall apart and you're like, dude, it like you're you can still come back from this. Like you can yeah. still, you know, take some of the chrome off dechrome, man, like bring it, bring it back and like just run away. Just get away from it all. You've made it. You did it. You proved your point. You know, you became something that your mom, you know, your mom always wanted you to become something. You became something. You're successful. You 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 did it. And to watch him just spiral is, it's sad. It's disheartening. And the story just keeps drawing you in because you think until the last minute before those credit roll that he could still be the person yeah. you as the viewer want him to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And where, you know, where does it, do you get the impression that Chase was ever, so, you know, we've talked about, with Maine and wanting to do what, uh, you know, follow in his footsteps and honor him there, also make something of himself like his mother. Did it ever to you fall into uh, more of a, a pride thing or a power thing at all, or a, like taking control of my life? Did, it, did that, those things ever become more of an excuse than a legit? Because I feel like that would often be potentially the path did you read that in the show at all? Do you feel that from David where his own, it, you know, he did get too wrapped up into it and his, uh, you know, thinking he's special, you know, knowing he's special and he can handle it. I, I don't think so. Cause I think that's too easy. I think that's too surface level for the show to be like, Oh, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And mm -hmm. you know, it's like his motivation to continue doing it or to continue doing more to me, it never gave off the vibe that he was doing it because he wanted the power or he did it because yeah. it was a pride. Like it was, he needed to do it. It wasn't, he needed to do it because of him. It was like this, yeah. like, like Andrea touched on it's honor. It was this two lives that were in constant battle with each other. And he didn't know how to walk that line or how to choose yeah. or understand which one would actually lead him to the true life that he wanted to live. It was he kept he's like, no, I have to do both of them. And it, it mm -hmm. doesn't work that way. And I think that mm -hmm. was a really, really good way to approach this, because if they had been like, oh, 
It's just he wants the power. Then he becomes a boring character. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think there were certainly moments when, um, you know, like you you said, John, like David believing he was special. They were they were self, you know, they were self focused, but they weren't about like I want power for power's sake. You know, they they weren't like advancing his own self-interest. Like even the moments that he believed he was special and could handle like this burden, they were still about handling it for other people to like prove himself to other people or to feel that he had made these other people proud. Um, and, and unfortunately, like, like I said, I felt like they were directed very specifically at, you know, his mom and Maine and there was not, the tension came in between like, you know, I'm doing this for these people who have died rather than like, I'm doing this for the people who are living. Like David pushed himself to the point where he was like, I need to rely on myself and I need to live up to this legacy. And sometimes I just really can't see that that taking a break from this and focusing on my crew members would be the better path here, you know, and not like soloing so much of this burden. Yeah. It almost walks the line of martyrdom. Almost. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's a very weird martyrdom because he's not, it's Mm -hmm. like, he's not taking on that mantle. The men, the mentality of exactly. Yeah, I'm not doing this because of you. It's like he's he's still doing it to almost prove something to his crew, even though his crew doesn't want him to prove anything. Like they literally no. flat out do not care. They've said that to him. They 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 tell him that that he is the most important thing to them. But in his mind, like it's not good enough. Yeah. Yeah, and the tragedy of Lucy, you know, doing spending so much time and being secretive about it. So then obviously that creates a further rift between them. That what she what is she up to this whole time? But like spending this time, her goal is that they can be together and they can get out of there. And so she I feel like she works towards that, but it's really in vain because she's never it's never gonna matter if she can't pull David back from the brink. It's it's unfortunate that, you know, this is this is kind of like two people modeling the worst sort of behavior, not the worst sort of behavior, but some bad behavior in this relationship because they're both like like Lucy's doing off doing all of this stuff solo and David doesn't really know what it is and doesn't even know that like most of this is for him. So she's off here being like, okay, well, I'm in this relationship, but also I have this huge part of my life that I'm shouldering responsibility and burden for solo. So it's almost like modeling for David that he should do the same with like the crew and the missions that they do. Like, yeah, like this is how you behave. Like this is how you're, you know, in a relationship. You just like shoulder this like solo burden instead of sharing it. Yep. It's it's and almost then, like a reverse toxic relationship. Like usually yeah. when you have a toxic relationship, you have two individuals that just hate each other but for some reason are still in a relationship and that you can just tell. But this is like they almost loved each other so much that it, it, they they wanted to it's it it's really yeah, it's like they it they loved each other to being destructive to the relationship. Um, 
and they didn't know how to pull out of it. And I think that's, you know, they, they got so lost in the minutia of their own problems that instead of communicating with each other and understanding, you know, what each other were doing, they just both spiraled out in different directions. Right. And when they came back, it was too late. It was too late. And they, they did a really, um, you know, the overall story and the characters, I thought they did a really good job of balancing betrayal when you trust someone and when you don't, you know, we go through the ups and downs of who's who you can count on and then who you can't. Of course, we have a team member, uh, Kiwi, that betrays them. But it's like, right. you know, you get in you get in too deep and you work with the wrong people like uh, Giancarlo Esposito. I uh, don't work with him, right? I guess he's always a bad guy. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah. It's, so I also I also like that you know like this relationship was handled very well and the uh, the betrayal or loyalty from different characters was all done in a realistic manner. Um, I think it's something that often gets lost or is messed up in shows, but in anime too, as well as motivation. What's someone's proper motivation? And I feel like it was always made sense. Rebecca always had a thing and wanted David's attention and never got it. Um, so is that kind of sad thing for her, you know, that she really gets drugged down in all of this as well. Um, so some really good characters that, uh, I thought, you know, rounded out the show. Well, it really wasn't just the David and Lucy show. There were other players that, uh, that added to the, to the bigger picture as well. I think it was some solid voice acting too. Some really solid yeah. Voice acting. Anyone watch it in Japanese? I did for one. Okay. I watched I watched both just out okay. of curiosity. Yeah, I thought about going back and watching in Japanese, but I really didn't have any complaints with the voice acting in English, so I I guess I I didn't I didn't, I but... didn't either, which is unusual for me. Sure. Yeah. It's it's always good. I I like I enjoy um voice acting. I think I think voice acting is is a lot more difficult than people think especially when you have a person who can do multiple different types of voices um and it's always fun when you hear people that you're like oh wait a minute i i know who you have to like look it up and be like i knew it i knew it like one of them uh it got me for one episode was figuring out that matt mercer played the driver um, oh yeah, he does the voice acting for that character. I'm, I'm a big Matt Mercer fan. I think I like him as we a know. voice actor. We know. Uh, I, I also, um, you know, it's just it's fun to 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 hear, you know, different voice actors, and you can pick them out very slightly every once in a while. So you can always pick them out a little bit, and I think it's really cool. Yeah. Well, do we have any complaints? Honestly. I don't. I, I I really don't. Like normally, I like to try to be constructive in some way, but I think this is just a a really good. My complaint is it didn't have more episodes. Okay. <laughs> um, but I just All right, I think easy, it's a... easy wish guy. I wish for a hundred more wishes. Hundred more wishes. <laughs> I wish, or as or as uh, a uh, James A. Caster said, uh, infinite genies because it takes care of having more wishes and having friends. Um, <laughs> oh, nice. I haven't heard that one before. It's a good one. Um, but no, I think it was just a really good package story. It was complete. It was, you know, complex in depth. It had a very good beginning. The middle caught you on board, and the ending was just, was just satisfying. Just a great, 
great story segment. Andrea, complaints? Yeah, I mean, nothing's immediately coming to mind. Um, I mean, I'm sure there could be things that I, you know, you could say and I could be like, oh, yeah, they could have improved, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I think any of that would be nitpicky. I think, like Tony said, overarching comment is like great story, great acting. It was a richly detailed world that didn't get lost in its own minutia. And I think, I think actually having fewer episodes made sure that we didn't wander too much and that our story was like nice, tight, like there wasn't, it wasn't overly complex and too drug out. So yeah, I mean, I could have used a few more episodes maybe to explore some side characters or like build some background, but on the whole, like they did well keeping it concise. I will say if you played the game before watching cyberpunk, (laughs) you knew how you knew how it was going to end. Okay. Well, I mean, I I, uh, I held out hope. I held out hope for different things, you know. I did, but once, what is his face? Adam Smasher. Adam, when Adam Smasher got involved, I was like, "Okay, I know where this is gonna go." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a great, and they put out a tweet for that. You know, they're like, "Hey, you want some revenge against a certain some character? Make sure you pick up the game." Yeah, which is smart, smart, like very smart marketing. You visit a lot of the same locations. I didn't do a lot of the cyber psycho stuff in playing the game. And if I had watched this first, I think I would take a lot more, pay a lot more attention to the cyber psycho issue in Night City. Um, well, I'm gonna, so. I'm gonna get a jab in there, John. I think when we first played the game, the cyber psycho didn't really exist. Otherwise, you know. Was it there? Uh, I don't think it's there. It was just also it wasn't it wasn't essential to the main story. Or know? was it one of those ones when he I got there and the cyber psycho's like half in a wall, maybe like sticking his head out, <laughs> and you can't shoot him or kill him, and he's just glitching yeah, he, out. He went really psycho. Out. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, it's going crazy. <laughs> <clears throat> I think my complaint is it maybe it seems silly, but car physics. It's car physics. Uh I didn't like the chase scenes a lot of the time. <laughs> I was like, that's, I mean, cause I under, I am used to studio trigger style. So it doesn't bother me anymore. I am totally on board. Irregardless, like it was, this was too much. The cars, the way they would like tumble in a hurricane of them or go over meridians and all this stuff. Yes. It's just, I'm like, we, it didn't need to be this. It didn't need to be that. And still could be very exciting and very cool. Alan sharing some some car physics craziness and a gift here or whatever. But yeah, it's um <laughs> now that now that you bring it up. <laughs> yeah. Now that you bring it up and I remember those scenes, I know exactly which one you were talking about, where he's like driving at like 80 miles an hour and all of a sudden he's just like, oh, okay, and he like hits the median and grinds across it and then yeah. flips the car back over. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. I guess we're just doing this. There now. was no like augmentation to this car to facilitate this type of behavior and <laughs> physics. <clears throat> so it it's uh you know that it that took me out of the moment. Those couple sure. scenes took me out of the moment. And particularly with his mother, it, this was kind of before this was going, but with his mother was involved in the car chase. And then when she dies, I'm like, hit the brakes, hit the brakes, stop, you know, but 
people do weird things in stressful situations. So I gave it a pass, but I was going to say that was actually the most believable to me. Yeah. Okay. Just like (laughs) what is going on here and like getting involved in this. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I I do sometimes notice that in movies and in, in animes where they sometimes do this, where it's like, Oh, the, the setting is, you know, 2077 or it's like the year is 3200 and they have people in cars like what you consider normal cars and they get onto like what is their version of a freeway and they're going like 200 miles an hour and you're like what did like the laws of physics change why are cars moving so fast i mean even 100 years from now cars are still going to be going 70 miles an hour like it that's not how this works (laughs) yeah so and I noticed that in this in this cyberpunk where she like gets on the freeway and for some reason they they the way they animated it the car yeah. was like hyperspeed you know plaid yeah. down the freeway yeah yeah and it's it's often I have I have take issue with how vehicles are animated in anime it's not often the best like there's just a a weight that's wrong you know, and it stands out but this is way over the top way over the top yeah it's it's so funny that i think you know we talk a lot about you know the way that like anime can do because it's a certain medium they can break a lot of rules yeah and we're fine with it we just sort of like roll with the punches or like you know accept that like certain physics of things just like happen uh but it's really because i think there's so many like realistic car chase scenes in like action movies we have a hard time like letting go of like the physics of a car you know sure we can let go of the physics of a human body and what they can do like i'm just thinking about some of like the fight scenes in castlevania and like oh, yeah. just like the absolute limits of like the body in a fight and, I, and it just sort of like washes over me but there's something very weighty and material about a car that makes cars particularly mm-hmm. hard to like break <laughs> rules with. Well, and it's because it's like people, you just add powers or you add cybernetics, you add an, a, a thing to amplify and make it extreme or they're in a video game and it's a fantasy setting. In certain so, cases, yeah, yeah. But sometimes, sometimes like it's just the way that like a scene is shot that like somebody is like running around a wall or like doing a flippy and you're just mm-hmm. like, that's that's not physics. And they're not like terribly special, but you're just like, right. cool. Like, yep. they'll just do it. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, to your point, Andrea, it, there's definitely a, a suspension of disbelief when it comes to physics as it pertains to the human body in TV movies and anime and stuff versus, you know, physical objects. Like, f- yeah. for, like for example, um, did you ever watch... Uh, uh, mission impossible fallout with tom cruise and henry so. cavill i've seen them all I think oh, yeah so. mm-hmm. yeah one of the, the best fight, the fight scene in the bathroom okay oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. it's an amazing fight scene that fight probably would have been over in about three seconds <laughs> like, well yeah he, he takes a dude and puts his head through a porcelain sink and I'm like, okay, well, that's the end of the fight. Like, you're not getting, you're not gonna get up after having right. your head blown through a porcelain sink. You're either gonna be dead or completely unconscious. And but the suspension of disbelief is, yeah, this dude's—he's gonna get up. He's gonna keep fighting because he's got the honor to keep fighting. But it kind of, to your point, if a car flips over and then keeps driving, you're like, no, 
Yeah. That right. it can't happen. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, there's there's something different about like that particular object that that we all just like, you know, it's like I mean, they try so hard to push the limits and it's almost like its own like riff on itself now in Fast and the Furious. Like, what can we do with these cars? Like they can fly through the air and they can like launch across a bridge and like, you know, drop out of an airplane and whatever. And it's just like it's so ridiculous now that like it's it's a hilarious part of the movies themselves to just be like, what completely unbelievable thing can we make this car do? But like in the beginning when they were more serious about it. Like, people were like, this is the worst part of the movie. Like, right. you cannot tell me, yeah. like, these cars can do these things. And it just, like, you know, and it was even, like, things that, like, maybe are possible. I don't know. But you just look at them on screen and be like, no. No, no. As, as a, you guys both know, die hard, like, I'm a car guy, right? You yeah. could write a thesis on the Fast and the Furious movies and, like, what they have done to that franchise. I will go to the theater and watch every single... I'm going to go and watch the 10th one. Like, I'm going to go and watch the 11th I one. I love like, that franchise. That franchise is astonishingly, hilariously good. And here's the thing. It's become so self-aware that in the last movie, they had a character. It was... um, uh, Angel... Oh, it's not Angel. It was another character name. But uh, one of the characters... Uh, literally calls to attention that he never gets hurt. <laughs> he's like having this existential crisis in the movie because he's not getting hurt. And he's going through right. like all these insane things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, definitely... I, I think that movie, that movie franchise has really done like a, a smart thing in becoming like aware of itself. And not taking itself so seriously and, like, almost making itself a parody, but not, like, totally. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, I would, it has fun I would at say, its own expense now. It, I it, would I mean, say... It, it's go, a great self-awareness. Oh, yeah. And, and I, I think the turning point for it, though, when it, when it did that, I know this is off-topic, John, but, like, the turning point for that was Fast and the Furious, uh, probably 7 or 8 is when it was just yes. like, now we're going to just be like completely insane. What can we do that's more insane than we did last time? Yes. I would say seven. Seven. Definitely seven. When we had cars like going between buildings, like no. <laughs> like Almost to some extent, Fast Five, yeah. where, they're, where they're dragging the, the yes. vault through uh, Rio de Janeiro. Yes. Oh, God, yeah. One of the best oh, in, my, in my opinion. So good. So good. So I think that the creators over at Studio Trigger were, were just watching the Fast Nine, and they're like, "If they can do it, so <laughs> we can, can we." Do it too. Yeah. <laughs> Lucy totally did it with the "I'm gonna pull the gurney out of the ambulance and drive it on the freeway at fifty some miles per hour." Yes. See, that didn't bother me. I forgot like, about that. Like, yes, unrealistic, but that. that didn't bother me. It's like it's rolling, it's on wheels, it's straight, you know. Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> she's not watching the traffic, she could dodge and yeah, jump. She's not flips or anything like that, you know. So, yeah, which if you've ever tried to lift one of those gurneys is very difficult to do. Yeah. <laughs> and she's oh, just yeah. like, jump, jump, cybernetics. <laughs> cybernetics. There you go, mm -hmm. yeah, there you go. 
All right. Well, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, um, anime on Netflix, and we all recommend it. Shall go and take a look at it. It was well done, and um, and then afterwards, go play the game. So yes, yes, yeah, it's good. Um, Watch it, play it. Right, mm-hmm. Tony. Uh, I know we kept you a little long. Thanks for sticking with it, and uh, we appreciate you coming back. It's been a while. Hopefully, we can have you back again soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. You bet. Um. Anyways, that's Popcast on the Rocks, episode 128. Please like, share, subscribe in all the applicable places. Um, we're on Twitch, we live stream. The full thing and clips often go up on YouTube, on podcast directories of choice. If you use Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. That helps a lot. If you're on Spotify, you can also watch it in video format. Um, Killing the Flower, there are theme song creators. So go ahead and check out their music on Spotify, Apple Music. Uh, they have an Instagram, YouTube, that sort of thing. We appreciate them very much. And otherwise, Andrea, you're always here. That's great. So thanks again for joining <laughs> me. And uh, we'll see everybody next time. Sounds good. Cheers, everybody. <laughs>